This is funny. I look like a little Catholic schoolboy. What's up, Opervault Nation? This is Josh coming to you with another episode of the Affiliate Marketing Show. Please be sure to like, subscribe, and follow to stay up to date on all the latest affiliate marketing news, tips, and trends. Today, we have myself from Offervault, the industry's number one aggregator of affiliate offers, networks, advertisers, and affiliate programs. We have Adam Young, the CEO and founder of Ringba, your number one paper call tracking platform. We also have the industry legend, Harrison Gewurz. And as you can see, I have my bow tie on, which could only mean one thing. Today, we have Yancey Naughton, the founder of Has Traffic, a multi-channel traffic platform with a family of brands, including Wands Traffic, CPC, Email Exchange, and Has Social. They are the best place to trade calls, emails, SMS, domain, pop, search, redirect. And uh, I see a note in here that says, thank you, exit, back button, push notifications, social, and more. It looks like that was added in without my knowledge, but we're doing it live. Nancy, what's up, man? How you doing? Did you just call him Nancy? Yeah, Nancy. Nancy. I I had 13 years. No, I didn't that's call the highlight. Let's just end the let's just end the podcast. That was awesome. I didn't call him Nancy. I did not call him Nancy. You did. I and so did 13 years (laughs) of substitute teachers looking for Nancy Naughton, followed by applause by the whole schools. Were you uh were you talking to us from Yancey? Uh, this is Prague, Czech Republic. Well, I'm so happy that you are staying up late with us to join the show. You uh, are a figure within this industry. We're very excited to have you on. It seems that your relationship with Adam goes back pretty far. I have a note here that says he was one of your first clients when you left old media for new media about 15 years ago. So can you can you guys tell us a little bit about when that started and how, how that all progressed to your friendship today? Well, I, I don't know what Adam's version of the story is, so maybe I should let him tell it first. <laughs> well, I was living in a castle, and I what? found elephanttraffic.com, and I just emailed them and was like, yo, what's up? Can I spend some money on some traffic? I might have even said, yo, what's up, 15 years ago. And then this guy named Yancey called me, and uh, he was real excited about selling me some traffic. So I bought it. And uh, we ran a lot of a lot of campaigns. They were co-reg and sweeps back in the day, and it was a lot of fun. And I would say this: uh, I was an affiliate at the time, and Yancey to this day uh, is the best account manager at any company in the affiliate space I have ever worked with, hands down. Like he put up with all my bullshit. He never argued with me, and he just helped me make a lot of money. And I know he does that with a lot of people now at Has Traffic. And I just have to say from personal experience, he's one of my favorite people in the industry to do business with um, simply because he he actually cares about his customers, uh, even when they're hooligans like me. Uh, I do miss the castle. All right. So what's your version, Yancey? Uh, well, I, I mean, I came, I had come from old media, like uh, I own golf magazines back in Scottsdale, real estate magazines. And it was uh, it wasn't dying. It's still not dead. You know, like these old media things, they just uh, they just I could tell that it was time to update 
or get out of it. So I sold I sold the magazine, um, and I took an ill-advised job. Uh, I just by basically saying no to these people for so many years, and they finally just offered so much money. And then uh, that was so I took the job. I think November of '07, and uh, it had this great you know salary and great severance. Um, and I said, okay, I'll start April 1st. Well, between the whole industry that that was based around basically collapsed in those three months. So they paid me as, uh, pretty much as long as they could. And then they, they finally took the severance instead of the, the, the paycheck. So I took, I took, uh, two, you know, eight bags, two kids, one wife, and I tried a new continent I uh, moved out to Prague, where my wife was from, and I basically got my brains knocked out. Uh, there was nobody was hiring anything back then, and um, finally came across Elephant Traffic, which Adam had introduced, and I saw like I don't know millions of dollars a month worth of traffic, and they were selling like twenty thousand dollars of it. And I, I remember walking out of the interview and just. Just saying this is it i'm sure they're going to call back and i called my wife or whatever and said yeah i'm going to make them hundreds of thousands of dollars <laughs> within months and um well long story short i started and a couple weeks later adam had uh, i had some successful campaigns with the kind of old old media type clients like uh, University of Phoenix and these kind of things. And I hadn't really gotten a taste of what, what a real, how a, a real affiliate behaved like youngmg.com, just a black page, <laughs> spelling crossbones. And that, where's my KYC? Well, we got the X. Do not do this. Do not behave this way. <laughs> so I was just like, okay. And I'm and I had been thinking about these these traffic sources all around long. And I was in these long sales cycles with major companies like uh so <laughs> i don't know how much detail you want to go in but basically uh music companies i was uh there were there were domains that generated a lot of interest in music uh, I'll, I'll leave it at that and i was uh, my strategy for that was to basically to sell it to traveling acts like rod stewart or whatever and let's say youtube would be playing with his video on it instead of instead of um instead of whatever Google had chosen for. Instead of a free trial for a music player subscription? Yeah. So <laughs> so anyway, um, so I, I I get this sign up, uh, Young MG and all this. And, and I, I said, okay, you know what? I'm going to – I've always taken the approach. You treat everybody the same. You know, you don't prejudge anything. I'm, I'm looking at this – I remember looking at the black page with just skull and crossbones, thinking like, "Okay, am I wasting? Nancy, stop telling these people about these things. It's embarrassing. Am I wasting my time with this person? Because I'm, you know, I'm like calling like big Madison Avenue stuff, and that was my concept. And um, you know, he just he didn't have a big sales cycle. I said, I don't know, start with ten thousand dollars. And about ten minutes later, we had ten thousand dollars, and I'm like, okay, well. Where did this come from? And so on and so forth. And about, I don't know, I, I, I gave him like, I think I remember giving him like 20 ideas 
for campaigns. And the one was, let's say, inspired by that musical uh, musical channel. And um, well, anyway, I think he popped up twice overnight uh, when I went to bed and I came and the and the people were like, oh, who was this guy who started last night? And with ten thousand dollars, which they were used to, you know, taking two weeks to 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 sell ten thousand dollars worth of inventory, and all of a sudden, uh, Adam spent thirty grand overnight, and uh, they're like, "Is he for real? Is this credit card for real?" And yeah, it was for <laughs> real for Christ's sakes. And and uh, I could tell you, Rod Stewart didn't have a chance bidding against Adam. <laughs> well, Yancy, uh, for, you must know the website matched the color of the credit card. So, yeah, there you go. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, but, but yeah, but, we've been we've been staying in contact. I remember. So I left Alvin Traffic. Uh, basically, started actually talked Rod, Robert Grin into the concept of Zero Park. Zero Park was called Zero Park because it was a Polish domain parking company, and I'm like. And I had worked with Robert Grin at Elephant Traffic, who was the fa founder of, of um, wasn't really the founder of Codewise, but just the founder of Ringba and not Ringba. No, no, not Ringba. That's volume me, and uh, and <laughs> volume and um, Zero Park. So it was called Zero Park because it was supposed to be a parking company for Polish domains. And I said, you know what? We had proof of concept back at Elephant Traffic, and it wasn't domains; it was traffic. So let's. Let's do that. Uh, so I more or less brought Elephant Traffic, Zero Park, and, and, and of course, Has Traffic to market the same way. It was the same business plan uh, in my mind, except I didn't really get control of it till the day I started Has Traffic. So I'm curious. You know, I knew what all this traffic looked like years ago. I don't buy any media today, obviously. Um, but I'm curious... You know, all the traffic types that Josh listed still exist, of course, but what are the predominant channels that people are really having success with today? What what are the traffic types on Has Traffic's platform where you're seeing, you know, the the most conversion volume and the most dollar volume? Yeah, um it's changing right now. It's changing dramatically. Um you know, there's social media is picking up. Uh this is something I invest invested in probably five years too early, like a click per call, uh, uh, cost per click for social media where influencers could sell their traffic on cost uh, cost per click. And my timing was a little bit off on it, but it's really picking up right now. That's a, that's a very strong channel, as is people with running Facebook ads, selling that kind of traffic. Uh, domains are still very strong, uh, email, SMS, Push notification is still very strong. SMS is, um, you know, the good SMS, which is fully opt-in, not just fully opted in, but they're basically the company that you signed up for sending sending the information to you. So the second, third, fourth party stuff is uh, more or less not working anymore. So that used to be a good it used to be a much broader channel. Now it's still a very effective channel, but you have to basically do, play some small ball. It's not like, you know, $100,000 a day targets anymore. It's a bunch of smaller, more targeted campaigns that are more, uh, more 
basically related to the topic that they originally signed up for. So the domain that they signed up on, you know, those emails can still get in the SMS. If that company is the company that actually got the permission is sending the uh, messages and the permissions and the people are expecting the messages and the permissions, that's still very strong. Uh, but yeah, is that still CPC based or for SMS is uh, are your advertisers paying for the amount of SMSs that gets sent with the creative because there's technically a cost behind sending a text? Yeah, no, publishers can lose money all the time. It's it's not a guarantee. Um, basically, the reason when I got to the space, like uh, I, I, the, I told you the story about when I met Adam, but when we got to the, I got to the space, I saw all this money. All this money flowing around the room, people didn't really know who, who they were sending it to, who they were getting it from. And, and it was all very much in CPA and CPL at the time. And it had just come, you know, 10 years earlier, it was very strong in CPM, where so, if someone who could email people, um, you know, they, they kind of made their own rules, right? They'd say, well, I just want to make this CPM, I don't give a shit whether it gets in box or anybody opens it or whatever it is. And then the advertisers who are trying to make sales or or leads or whatever were like, hey, we don't want to do this anymore. Let's just go with our metric. And as in, send me your traffic now, I'll tell you what it's worth later. And of course, you know, that worked better for the advertisers. But publishers, basically, when I got to the space and more or less when I got to the point where I could make the company I really wanted to make at Elephant Traffic or at Zero Park, I, I said, you know what we're really going to do is use CPC, not as a the way Google or Facebook says CPC should be, which is uh, I'll decide how much it costs and you're going to pay whatever the hell I want. I don't care what happens to you. Kind of the way emailers were back in the day. Like, I don't care if you make money on this or not. This is my CPM. So basically uh, the big traffic Google, Facebook, Bing, whatever, are basically using CPC as a kind of a fuck you metric. Like you just pay what I say you're going to pay and, and and you might get the traffic or you might not. Where the way I basically present the CPC is this is the meeting point between these two metrics where, where the publisher can try new things because publishers would basically stick with what they already knew and not really try so much. So I really felt like we would bring liquidity to the market. And I really plan, I really thought, I remember my first plan here. I'm like, within two or three years, if I do this right, CPA networks will be done. Everyone will move to CPC. Everyone will be cloning me, which of course didn't happen. And uh, it's been it's been 12 years or whatever since we started. And uh, everybody's still happy with the Send me your traffic. I'll tell you what it what it's worth after I get it. Metrics and essentially it's into a into a black box. So what we do is that the the CPC is is a minimum CPC in an auction. So the publisher knows they're going to get at least twenty three cents or twenty four cents. So that scenario where they don't know how much it's going to cost to generate that click, they're taking some risk, and the advertiser is taking some risk, and uh, it even works that way with the calls as well. I'm curious, and and I don't know if you'll share this metric. You can just tell me no, I guess. But how how many clicks are you handling uh, on a day, a week, a month? Uh, I don't know, but 
if you had if you'd put this on the sheet, I could have pulled the report, but it doesn't well, really Bob, matter Bob because like, are, are uh, we talking? As Adam said in a previous episode, I'll take what you can give me, baby. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, like, okay, the reason it doesn't matter is there's like a billion uh, clicks uh, for for pops and push, and they don't matter, right? So what matters is the, I mean, I, I, we have like $3 clicks, $7 calls, you know, all these kind of things, which are very small volume and huge revenue. So sure. I don't really, it's not that I'm trying to avoid the question, but there's billions of clicks on has traffic, but the ones that matter are in the hundreds of thousands of a day, I would imagine. Outside of the US, what geos would you say you have pretty high demand? We've always been, uh, we, I called it a non-denominational platform. So multi-channel, multi-geo, multi basically if it was legal you were allowed to trade it and if you could redirect it but now we serve ads and send calls and all sorts of other things so we're strong in us we're strong in canada australia new zealand uh northern europe uh somewhat you know in asia some countries you know they it goes up and down. So supply increases with demand, like Brazil was huge like two months ago. And basically I think the advertisers uh, money got seized by banks or whatever, you know, these kind of things happen all the time. So the, the, I tried to make a machine that you could apply to any traffic. So uh, you'll see people working a lot harder when, when it doesn't work in the U S they'll work harder in Australia or New Zealand or Spain or Italy or, They'll work on gambling traffic. They'll work on uh, adult uh, dating or whatever it is. It changes all the time. So if I'm a publisher, well, let me rephrase that because you view it differently. If I'm an affiliate and I want to buy traffic from has traffic, what's that experience like? If I, you know, if I'm Adam Young from 15 years ago and I discover has traffic and I have no idea what you're doing or like, what campaigns to run and, you know, whatever. What's that experience like working with your company? Because I know it's very different than a lot of the other traffic platforms. Well, this, yeah, I mean, we, we do work essentially. I, I mean, I think I made the company that I wanted to work for because the experience that you and I had as, you know, as kind of anonymous as it was, it was it was a really healthy relationship and it has been ever since. And it was because it was very personal attention that was given. And as even though the platform looks like a self-serve platform, it's uh, all the money's made in the managed uh, campaign. So to answer your question, people sign up on there and they if they were to self-serve, they would kind of get their ass kicked because uh, they would bid on the wrong campaigns. They'd send them to the wrong pages and so on and so forth. So we have um, a lot of publisher managers and advertiser managers who know what they're doing. And they've been doing it for a long time for me. And when they get they the experience that you and I had was, hey, what kind of offers do you have? And then I said, well, why don't you build this page around that and that page around that? And obviously we... We hit a vein. I think I remember giving you like 20 pages. Yeah. And they all went away as soon as one of them hit. Like you just focused on what hit. Mm -hmm. So um 
uh, and that's kind of like what we do. So uh, we we put a lot of real intelligence, re real experience. Essentially, we have operational people and salespeople that are working together to make sure that not just that you spend your money, but you are want to deposit it again because the margin that we work from is so different to the model. Even at Elephant Traffic, I think their margin was seven forty percent. So they kept forty percent of the money. Forty percent. Yancy, go get my money back. You don't know the hell. You don't know the. the, the that's forty percent was just on the minimum bid price. They took like eighty percent of the upticks in the bids, and oh my god, you were oh working for him, Adam. <laughs> yeah, well, we wanted to castle too, Adam. Oh, this is bullshit. Shut up. I see I like a vein bulging of anger. For this. <laughs> yeah, for those of you that can't see the, the video, Adam's losing his shit right now. But Adam, go ahead. What was your what was your question? Hey, what's a, what's a couple million dollars between friends, right? Yeah, like, exactly. no big deal. If you can't I make money on your friends, who are you going to make money on? <laughs> So look, I, I think that experience was really cool for me uh, for a couple of reasons. One is that, you know, Yancey was newer in the business and I was a young affiliate and we're both still around. And we we both run organizations today that have a really big presence at trade shows. And the, the thing about Yancey that I really respect as well is that I always see him at the trade shows every single year. He never misses a beat. And so uh, I think it just goes to illustrate what a relationship in this industry can be worth. And even though, you know, for a long time, we didn't have any campaigns or business together, like having those relationships is valuable. And I remember when we started exhibiting at trade shows, I actually called Yancey up and invited him over to my place and sat him down and made him tell me all about advertising and booths and how you do the trade shows and the sponsorships because he had been doing it successfully for a long time and I didn't know. And, you know, the reality is we ended up not doing a bunch of sponsorships from that conversation. It probably saved me a, a lot of money learning. And so the same thing goes when you're buying traffic. Um, it's really great to have a company like has traffic and to be able to build a relationship with them because they can help you be successful and um you know that relationship our relationship yancy you know i made a lot of money when 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 we were running those campaigns together and it wouldn't have happened if we didn't establish uh, a, re a relationship and so i think affiliates miss the boat on this a lot and you know you could even suck at relationships like i did with my jolly roger website and my bad attitude and still be able to create them. Um, and so I don't really think there are any excuses for, for affiliates. They they really just need to reach out to the people at companies and build long-term relationships and they'll um they'll find success, right? Like they you need the human element. You can't just show up and expect the computer to make you money. So Adam, you mentioned yeah, relationships. Yancy, I'm gonna pass this right back to you, but to comment on Adam's uh, point about relationships, how do you go about choosing your partners that you work with that has traffic, whether it be affiliates, agencies, networks, you know, the brands, what's your approach when you're you're really trying to figure out who you wanna do business with? So uh, I, I like, I have a, um, a strong loyalty streak. I like to, uh, do business with people I know. I I know their strengths, their weaknesses, their perfections, their imperfections. That that has always been a preference of preference of mine. But in, in we were talking about before how 
how these channels change, these campaign changes, the geos change, the you know who, who's fighting over what changes all the time. So you have to you know do what Adam was just talking about, which is come to a new show and actually be there and meet new people and and really do it in person. So the topic that I think is relevant there, I used to give a lot more speeches than I do at these conferences because I just kind of, uh, um, but one of them was, was all like about picking your partners well. We were talking about Google and the way they sell traffic, um, but Google as a, as a, as a, as a company, basically, they provide, they have obviously the greatest advertising network that's ever been created. Second place is like the phone book or whatever, but uh, second place is Yahoo and third place is the phone book. But they don't give a crap about you. You don't exist in their business plan. Doesn't matter. Uh, great story. There was a company called, um, uh, what was it called? It's a domain parking company. And they, it was Rook Media, and they they had done, they had bought like the biggest parking company in the world, which was Domain Sponsor. And they had probably done $10 billion worth of advertising with, with, as, with Google as their only partner. And one day they got a letter from Google and said, we're shutting it off in 28 days. That's not, I didn't make that story up. And that's not even that rare of a story. It's rare that you do 10 billion or $20 billion when you get the letter, but it's not rare at all. Uh, I don't know if you remember Silver. Anyway, just about choosing your partners well. I'm not saying don't do business with Google. It's a great, it's a great, great advertising network, but they don't care about you. You're not existing in their in their business plan. If, if so Google's if your partner, you might want to have a backup plan, I think is a nicer way. You to might want to have a backup plan. Exactly. So even though those Yahoo CPCs aren't quite as good, you should probably still have a Yahoo agreement. Well, even even like, so I, what, uh, I don't think you go to trafficking conversion, even though it was in San Diego. But I, it's funny because that is called traffic. That's the first word is traffic. And, and we have this big booth right in front of the door. It has traffic. You would think there'd be a line of people waiting for traffic. But when you start talking to these people, they're all like, oh, I don't know if, if you guys are too young for this. But in the original Bl Blues Brothers movie, did anyone see that? Yeah, we're not that young. So <laughs> they go in They're They're like they're stealing a gig from a country band. And they go to this bar and they say, what kind of music do you play here? And the bartender says, we play both kinds, country and Western. And that's how I felt about the trafficking conversion people. They're like, we have, we already have both kinds of traffic, Facebook and Google. And then I'm like, well, what about other things? And they'll be like, oh, what do you mean? TikTok or Yahoo? You know, like. And and it, it kind of blew their mind that there's more traffic out there than these these uh, very big American monopolies that don't give a shit about you. And as soon as as soon as they, I used I used to in the speeches I'd say, all right, room full of entrepreneurs. Does anyone like the sound of this business? You have one partner. Uh, you have the best location in your town. It's a coffee shop and you split the money 
and you make five million dollars each. Does anyone like the sound of that that uh, business? And everyone likes the sounds of that business. I said, okay, just one little twist. You know for a fact that your partner wants to murder you and has done it many other times with every other partner that they've had. And as soon as they figure out how to murder you and keep the money, they're going to do that. You still like that business. And that's what I mean by choosing your partner as well. Because, sure, if you can get Google traffic, get it. But if you if you only have uh, them as a, tra- a supply or demand partner, and uh, Rook Media was a great example. Domain Sponsor was a great example. That was the only demand partner. When I started has traffic, I had an opportunity to buy a Google feed. So that, they would have been my demand partner. And I looked at the contract and it it basically said I could only send the traffic to them. And it was like 150 pages or whatever. And then randomly, they would just say they weren't going to buy that anymore. And I would have to find an advertiser then. So that's a, a great example of how a bad partner is, right? A bad partner basically only cares about themselves and they don't see it as an equal relationship and they don't. Uh, care about the user experience from your perspective. So, well, and Google's technology is specifically designed to optimize for them, mm-hmm. not anybody else. Just their their margin. And sure, they care about the consumer, right? And some of some of their metrics, like click through rate and things, are gussied up to make it look like they're being nice to everybody. But the reality is, is Google optimizes for Google. And my experience when get I was, yeah, exactly. And my experience when I was an affiliate was, you know, everyone is rushing to Facebook. Everyone is rushing to Google. Everyone is going to the big traffic sources and they're fighting in this red ocean bloodbath where they have no control. They can lose their account. They can't build a sustainable business. And so I was always on the lookout for things like elephant traffic or has traffic. I'm like, where are the mid-market traffic providers that are selling different types of channel traffic that most people aren't aware of? or are harder to monetize, or um, are more complicated to deal with, but where if I can spend a, a 50 grand a month, I'm a player, right? Like 50 grand a month with Google is nothing. It's literally nothing, $0 to them. But if it's a mid-tier or a small-tier ad network, 50 grand is on their top list somewhere. And if I can get to a million a month, You're I own the radar their business. At that point. Yeah, exactly. Like. You can get to be, with a mid-tier partner, you can get to be the biggest buyer from them if you're really good. And then, you years, know- Years ago, Adam, we had, we had a campaign. We had a campaign we were spending with one traffic source. I'm just going to say it was the dinner where their credit card declined. Uh, so you know which one yeah. it is. And we were spending like 30K a day and we were like their top advertiser. More. And like- me, Way more. We, yeah, okay, I was thinking when it was on the come down. But even when we were only spending 30K, they were at the top. We were at like the 70 to 80. They like we they worked for us. We had like the whole account management team was our account manager. We didn't have one account manager. We had every account manager. All of them. Yeah, like, oh, literally. So, But Google, we spent 100K a day. They'd be like, yeah, you can email support at google.com and uh, we will reply to you never. Or yes. maybe. Yeah, one of my oh, one of my interns in the Philippines will email you six weeks from now, and <laughs> or you know, I mean, maybe Harrison, 
Maybe so, we'll just send you a letter closing your account and keeping your money. Uh, One or the other. Well, Yancey, I don't know if you know, I think you do, but uh, Harrison and I also own a travel agency and we were, yeah, it's a terrible business, but we have so much corporate travel, it just makes sense. Um, and so we, at one point, were uh, media buying for the travel agency, and we were buying hotel booking, and we were doing it through Google, and we were booking hotels we had contracts with, like we're a licensed travel agency, we have the IATA, we have the ARC, you know, we go through all the process, like the most annoying licensing process on earth. We had to acquire the travel agency to get the license. So like the real deal, real deal travel agency. And we, I submit all our licensing documents to Google. I give them the paperwork, the certified stuff, the lawyer letter, the letter from NRC, the letter from IATA, everything. We're like, hi, we've been in business for 45 years. Literally 45 years. Travel agency is older than Harrison and I. Okay. Like, our oldest employee at one point was like 90, okay? And so Google suspends our AdWords account for no reason and then sends us an email that says, hey, you can't buy these keywords unless you're an IATA licensed travel agency. And we're like, we literally sent you all of the licensing documents. Like more than once you sent it. You did like an yes. email and upload. Like it was like the most stupid shit we've ever seen. And then the Google rep calls me and it's like, hey, dude, why'd you turn off those advertising campaigns? You know, like you were scaling. You're my, one of my top guys. How do I help you? I'm like, dude, you suspended my shit. He goes, what are you talking about? You're a travel agency. I helped you pick the ad copy. <laughs> It took it took five months to get that account unsuspended. And by that time, we literally had to fire all the travel agents. We had to fire all the people who were running the campaign. And then the Google rep calls me back all excited. He's like, dude, I got you unsuspended. Let's go. Let's get you back up. And I was like, what are you talking about? All those people lost their jobs. And he was like, oh, shit. Well, can you can we? Can you can we hire him back? Can you can we all call him back? And I'm just like, I I can't do this again. I can't call these people and tell them, hey, you have your job, but if Google decides to throw a tantrum, you lose your job again. And so we just well, we decided to stop, and we only do corporate travel now. Yeah, well, I'm I'm uh, that's that is a story I, I did not know, but it is it's one I've heard before. Yeah, we're so, not the first or the last that gotten fucked by overzealous Google. <laughs> well, uh, do you remember Silver Stoltzen? Do you remember him? Did you did you know him? I do. Uh, I did. It was, yeah, it was it was a really sad story. So maybe he he had cancer, and he, him and his wife and his daughter they lived in San Francisco, and he played by all the rules. So he was a film marketer, but he literally had one account for two hundred fifty pages, and. About six months before he actually died, they shut down all of all of the account. Nobody picked up a phone. He paid all his bills with basically his savings and left left nothing for his kid. Wow. And uh, I gave I gave a speech at affiliate summit. I'm going to say 18. This is probably when he was dying. He was still alive. He had asked me if I could 
he asked me if I could find somebody at Google that he could actually talk to. So I was already giving this <laughs> choose your partner well speech already. Like the, the, I was already giving that speech. So he's like, I'm like, well, I could, you know, I'm going to be speaking in front of a couple hundred people. So do you want to give me a video? And I still have the video. And he basically told the story firsthand. And I think there were some people from Google in there. And I basically gave the speech anyway. I said, guys, I really, this is a last minute addition to this speech. And it was a real story by the real person. And he died maybe two or three months afterwards. But all he was asking was for somebody to talk to a Google after after doing that. And I don't, I, I just, you know, he had, he basically paid all his employees, paid all his debts. Uh, and they kept, they kept a lot of his ad money. And I don't know if he ever, his, his wife ever got it back, but That's it, was, it was like quarter million dollars worth of ad revenue at the time that he was giving me this video to put in. And some somebody, I assume it was from Google, came up and kind of, I don't know if he came up or he raised his hand and it was basically bechiding me for telling this story. I'm like, I didn't make this story up. This is this is really how these people do business, you know, and they, they don't really, there's no fair process. No, and it's all done by computers. I mean, ours is a perfect example. I mean, literally offering exactly the service that they want in a regulated industry where we were regulated and licensed, and they we had to fire a bunch of people. And it was it really sucked to do that. Like I it's you know, we make light of some of these things, but this was not a fun process. And you know, like you tell your team the truth and you work your ass off to try and solve it, but you have no control over it. And even though it was late in my marketing career, um, you know, it was a tough, le it was a tough lesson to learn. And I, I think that, um, you know, I think there's something to be said for working with mid tier companies or companies that aren't the Goliath, because you can build a relationship. You can go meet the CEO, right. And, you know, at least have a conversation and then become partners and, and build a business together. And of course, you're going to have issues. If someone does something they're not supposed to, they deserve it. But the reality is that sometimes it's just better to be able to meet people in person and to build something that's sustainable and you can pick up the phone and call somebody. Um, and I think, you know, as marketers, I, I think I've made more money being an affiliate off of not Google, Facebook, then uh, YouTube, then I have on those platforms. Because on the, the mid-tier stuff, it's harder, sure. But when you get it, it can be much higher margin and much more sustainable. Um, and you have these feedback loops that, that don't exist. Outside that, of the margin players. or outside of the scale opportunity when you're working with the Facebooks and the Googles of the world, it's like, like I'm thinking back of some big Facebook campaigns I ran quite a while ago. You're literally like on your toes at all times. Like, well, fuck, when am I getting banned? Even if you're running completely like above board. And that hasn't client. changed. That hasn't changed. It's still, it's still like. It's worse that. now. It's worse now. I, I think, I mean, it's, it's like, I was talking no, to someone a few months ago and I was like, they were like, well, yeah, people, so like, well, you know, people were gaming ads. And I go, it's not as fun as it used to be. You should buy traffic somewhere else. I literally told someone that and they didn't really get it. And like two weeks later, they were like, yeah, I was promoting my like chiropractic business. I got banned. I'm like, yeah, I, I told you. Like, ah. <laughs> that's my. So point. we 
we talk a lot about Google, Facebook, YouTube. Uh, Yancy, what do you think about like the consolidation of traffic channels and traffic providers? Do you feel like it's kind of being monopolized a lot by these bigger names or do you think there's still room for other people to thrive in this part of the industry? Well, yeah, sure. I mean, that's what we're doing. We're basically looking, always looking for novel ways of, of generating traffic or new novel places of generating traffic. So what has traffic is a machine that I can move. Like we've, we've essentially gone out of business, you know, hundreds of times in the past 12 years because things stopped, you know, an affiliate or even like these affiliate networks, uh, think of all those mobile networks, the, the, the Mundos of the world and the Mentomi and all this, they all, they all disappear because they, they stick on, they basically make this mistake that Adam did. Uh, Adam was obviously not dependent on the revenue of the travel company, but it's the same mistake, right? They just, oh, they got something that's worked, but it's just, let's just do this huge one thing and focus on this and just be so great at this. So regardless of what you think happened on 9-11 or well, the conspiracy theories aside, you had towers and you had a Pentagon, right? Pentagon was very broad, biggest building in America for, for I don't know, 70 years or something. Uh, uh, but it wasn't going to fall, right? It wasn't fall because it was wide and it was there was many different locations that it existed on. A tower is, uh, the towers fall from gravity because they, they're also incredibly visible and they're, they're, they're big targets, right? So, the stability of the Pentagon is much better than the stability of the skyscraper. But uh, we've always tried to build both, right? So we have these, this small ball, the home run and the and the bunts and the stolen bases and all this stuff. So I think it, I, it comes in cycles. I think if you really focus on just building one skyscraper, it's going to fall. And we've moved, you know, email stopped one day in 2017 in the in the in the industry i was still giving speeches about how email is never going to die when that happened right so uh so but but these guys found new ways to market and, and basically uh the consolidation of these big monopolies doesn't really affect you if you think outside the box if you you know push Think of push notification. Well, email costs money to do and, and IPs and everything else that you needed. Push notification, once you had the permission, if you didn't blow it up like they do now, you could keep that customer forever and message them basically for free forever. And that was an in innovation. And that basically um, was something new that we could trade on the platform another another channel of traffic so that one is not consolidated that one has a couple big companies there's pushnami and notify and like lots of other kind of big one admaven whatever but it's not it's not um such a patented technology that it's it's being consolidated so i think it's dependent on whether google wants to block it from Chrome or not, but that hasn't happened yet. So. Yeah, you mentioned it's uh, cyclical. So I wanted to touch on that. What are some of the main reasons that you see like these ups and downs related to traffic channels in your experience? Well, I mean, deliverability would be the most dramatic one. So uh, basically once Google stopped allowing third-party emails to get into Gmail and then 
everybody else followed. That's what happened in 2017. So that was a perfect example of just basically the deliverability be t- being taken away. So it was only basically it was only left to people who had permission from the domain that they were sending from. So the sign up came from uh, Single Parents Alliance of America, and they were sending it from single. That's that one day. All of a sudden, it was just the it was just the first party emails that worked. So SMS is experiencing that right now, where you know all all these. Uh, permissions are granted by users on a regular basis. They're not reading the terms and conditions. They're saying yes. They're giving complete permission for communication. But um, the the mobile phone companies are basically preventing the the message from getting to the user. So yeah, I had a question for you about SMS. Yeah, I, it's kind of circling back to something we discussed earlier, but. If you have SMS advertisers purchasing clicks from your your pubs, who controls the creative that goes? Yeah, so to, that that's something oh, goes we in do. Text or does it go to like a page with different links? Like no, they they have to approve. Um, the advertiser has to approve the text. Um, we generally so I have an advertiser. Work, I submit my creative. They text it. Yeah, but the fact of the matter oh, is, like, I was talking about deliverability, complicated. Creatives are not getting the, to the phones. That's why so I was that's thinking why, that. That's literally a windfall for you guys, right? Because Ringba is, it's, you're not sending a creative, right? It's a telephone number. And there's not, there's not that complicated, you know, like as opposed to web, where there is a domain which an algorithm can test. Same thing with, you know, social as well. Like Facebook doesn't really know what is being to what the conversation they're not listening to the recordings in ringba and neither is neither are the mobile phone companies so but they do have algorithms that pick up um you know landing pages that they don't like sure i mean it is a little self-serving of course uh being the ceo of ringba but consumer initiated inbound calls i think are going to be a huge growth segment. I mean, it's with all the FCC restrictions and the other restrictions on SMS and all the outbound and how much of a pain in the ass it is. Um, it's just, it's just the next evolution. Also, when a consumer picks up the phone to make a call, they clearly want that because they're taking an action to connect. And so, I really it's think like- that we're going to see an evolution of a lot of these outbound channels and people running a lot of these outbound channels learning to just simply generate the inbounds because everyone wins on an inbound the consumer's happier the person that's answering is more of an order taker than a salesperson you're not burning out your salespeople. um you know like like everybody wins in that value exchange and the you know there's solid margins in it for everybody it's just uh it's a much more sustainable uh, business model than something like Adam, you know mass. Do you remember SMS. on the on the early days of Ringba, people would say, "Why calls? Nobody picks up the phone anymore." And we would explain to them to simply put a fo- an inbound call is just a warm, engaged lead. It's a a customer that has intent. There, it's like it's a better it's a better lead. It's a hot lead. And now people are finally getting that. But five years ago, we get the eye roll like <laughs> calls. Come on. Well, sure. That's that's how I felt about SMS before email took a dump, right? Like SMS was something that was done before can spam laws, and and it just mm-hmm. seemed it seemed like a toxic thing. 
and you just avoided it where it came back very strong and the compliance was very easy, right? Like everyone was afraid of GDPR. Everyone was afraid of all these things. People, they forgot that people shut off their brains a long time ago and they, they signed uh, with a click, they signed 125 page Google update terms and conditions or Apple or whatever it is. And so people are so used to giving permission and they're so desensitized to their, their own privacy. And they're like, oh, I already gave that away. So whatever. I, I want to get to the, the next page. So I'll just give permission. So the permission wasn't the problem. What really is the problem is the technology. Um, the mobile phone companies or the uh, ESPs or whatever it was. Um, same thing with Facebook. Facebook really did not do well when when the you know the technology caught up with the cloakers and what have you. But I think the calls have really found a rejuvenation, at least in our space, the ability to generate a call where, you know, it's not just uh, something easy for, you know, Facebook likes calls, really. And they don't they don't have a big incentive to write, use the AI that's out there to basically listen to phone calls to see if they like what's going on on those phone calls, where they can do that very easily with an algorithm on a web page. Yancy, sure. Yancy, Yancy with a Y. Thank you so much for coming on the Affiliate Marketing Show today. We are a little tight on time, but before we go, I just want to hand it back to you. Anything you want our listeners to know about you and has traffic or anything you guys got coming up? Um, no, we're almost at every show. We're I mean, until Adam started buying booths, we were always the biggest booth in front of the door, and we're, we're not hard to find. Basically, you ha to get to your booth, you had to go buy mine, and, and mine used to be the highest. In not anymore, motherfucker! <laughs> <laughs> and you guys, you guys went with the skyscraper, and I'm just going with the Pentagon, so... Right. Say nothing, yeah. Adam! Say nothing! Yeah. Say nothing! <laughs> I was just gonna say, Yancey, you ain't seen nothing yet, buddy. Just get ready. I'm ready. If you'd like to buy, if you'd like to buy that booth, let me know. In in <laughs> in uh, in all fairness, I, I did mentor uh, Adam. Adam uh, did mention it earlier, but I did not just tell him what shows not to do and what sponsorships not to bother with. But you know, like to go big or go home. There's what's the sense in coming to a show uh, and being Phonexa at the end of the booth? And after they've walked by Ringba, right? And I, I was like, yes, it's worth the money. But all the sponsorships aren't. Like, if you can get it, I think I remember saying, if you can get the lanyards, that's golden, right? So I'm I'm doing... Stay away from my fucking lanyards. You can have the lanyards. I've been, I've been giving out water because you only pick up one lanyard per show. But how many times do you drink water? So by noon on the first day, my couple. Well, tell me this: food. How many impressions do we get per? How many times do you look at someone's badge and see their lanyard? More oh. than seven, bitch. I literally, I, <laughs> I do believe Adam. Adam said, "Is the lanyard worth?" And I said, "Absolutely." So, I'll take a little. I'll take a little. Give, give me a little gold star for that, Adam. You can't have it. Damn it. Four. <laughs> 
Josh, myself from OfferVault.com, Adam, the CEO and founder of Ringba, industry legend Harrison Gewurz, and Yancey Naughton, the founder of Has Traffic. Let's make that paper. Let's make that dough. This was the Affiliate Marketing Show. We will see you next week.